0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome. to the Ron Show on America
1: One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts.
0: I certainly hope you are having a good day. Happy Wednesday to you. It cannot be any worse a day than Jalen Carter is having after all that we have learned. Just in the last, what, eight, ten hours or so, we awake to some jaw-dropping news today. And kudos to the athens Clark Police Department for letting their investigation play out uh, while also kind of tap-dancing with media coverage. The uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution was nosing in, as a, as a journalistic entity will and should, that's their call after all, to try and get information about what happened the night that a football staff member at the University of Georgia and a football player died in a car accident where two others were injured as well. First, let's start with the charges. An arrest warrant was issued this morning for a former University of Georgia football player, Jalen Carter, who many believe could be the first Player taken in the NFL draft in late April. Anyway, that arrest warrant was issued as a result of the ongoing investigation by Athens Clark Police Department into the January 15th crash that killed the UGA staffer who was driving another vehicle and one of Jalen Carter's fellow teammates who was in that vehicle with the UGA staffer. The warrant issued from the Municipal Court of Athens Clark County. Details that Carter is accused of misdemeanor counts of reckless driving and racing. And earlier this afternoon, Jalen Carter pulled himself from media interviews at the NFL Combine. The uh, National Football League has a combine where uh, all the players who are draft eligible can go and uh, do bench presses. How many bench presses can you do nonstop? They'll run their their forty yard dash and get timed for that leap and. It's kind of a meat market, really. Um, Anyway, Jalen was there to participate and then do media interviews. Well, obviously, he's not doing media interviews now. He also released a statement uh, via his Twitter that reads, This morning I received a telephone call from the Athens, Georgia, Police Department informing me that two misdemeanor warrants have been issued against me for reckless driving and racing. Numerous media reports also have circulated this morning containing inaccurate information concerning the tragic events of January 15th, 2023. His statement goes on, It is my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. There is no question in my mind that when all the facts are known that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. So the Athens Clark Police Department's investigation found that the staffer driving the other vehicle who had passed away, Chandler LaCroix and Jalen Carter were operating their vehicles in a manner consistent with racing before I'm sorry sorry, after leaving a downtown Athens area nightclub around two thirty in the morning. Officials also acknowledge evidence demonstrated that both vehicles switched between the lanes, drove in the center turn lane, drove in opposite lanes of travel, overtook other motorists, I can't, why are there no more witnesses to this, and drove at high rates of speed in an apparent attempt to outdistance each other. They go on to say that evidence indicated that shortly before the crash, the expedition that Chandler LaCroix was driving was traveling at around 104 miles per hour. And the toxicology that everybody's been waiting on, the report from GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, indicates that Chandler LaCroix's blood alcohol concentration was at 0.197 at the time of the crash. I've been uh, texting back and forth with uh, an attorney friend of mine, Nick, who... I've been asking, you know, what's blood alcohol limit in Georgia? 0.08. His exact words when he texted me that was, if you're over 21, 0.08, period. She was smashed. Now, because Jalen Carter was nowhere to be found when police arrived at the accident, there's no toxicology report to point to as far as his condition while driving. As a matter of fact, Jalen Carter's timeline is kind of wonky. And one of the stories that uh, came out today, the AJC covering this, uh, Alan Judd and Dylan Jackson doing a good job on this, kind of highlights his what they call shifting accounts uh, after the police narrative of a single car crash. Uh, They go on to write that at first Jalen Carter told police he was about a mile away when the teammate and football staff member died in a car crash. Later on, he said he'd been following the car when it wrecked, close enough to see the taillights. And at one point, he even admitted he was alongside the other car, later determined today, as a matter of fact, we found out to be traveling at 104 miles per hour. Uh, Now, uh, Athens Clark PD is telling us that he left the crash scene before cops or emergency medical workers arrived, and then it came back about an hour and a half later, and kind of gave these shifting accounts of the wreck uh, as uh, police officers on the scene there questioned him about whether he'd been racing the car that crashed. And this is all according to documents uh, reviewed by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and I'm sure other journalistic entities. Head football coach Kirby Smart also released a statement earlier today that said, The charges announced today are deeply concerning, especially as we are still struggling to cope with the devastating loss of two beloved members of our community. We will continue to cooperate fully with the authorities while supporting these families and assessing what we can learn from this horrible tragedy." It sounds like athens Clark is pretty confident with their narrative now. Now, initially they were, as with all of us before this morning, under the impression that this was some sort of a single-car accident, uh, driven erratically, losing control, uh, and then it it seems like almost from the jump, athens Clark was actually working on the theory that this was a racing incident. Uh, they got uh, camera footage from city-owned cameras all along the route, surveillance video. Uh, also uh, footage from at least one business owner. And police have yet to release any of these videos saying that it's still evidence in an open case. But they feel pretty sure this is exactly what went down. Now, Jalen Carter's charges are just misdemeanors currently. But, you know, when I was talking to uh, my friend Nick, uh, an an attorney in uh, North Atlanta about this, he made a pretty good point about the alcohol involvement and the racing being a problem both for Chandler LaCroix's estate and potentially Jalen Carter's uh, estate as well in any potential civil case. Uh, Devin Willick was age 20, the UGA football player who died in that accident as a passenger in the car with Chandler LaCroix. So the conventional wisdom is that Willick's family will probably use any evidence, any findings from this case when it comes to the racing element the toxicology report of the driver of the vehicle, Chandler LaCroix, that he was riding in that vehicle with when he passed away. You would assume, obviously, that Willick's family will seek civil action against Chandler LaCroix's estate and Jalen Carter and anyone else. There, there's a talk of a third vehicle in this as well. Any other drivers involved in this element of racing? By the way, the other cringe-inducing element to this story, uh, as the AJC writes, Jalen Carter endorsed an Ohio luxury car dealer appearing in a video in which he roars away in a 2021 Black Jeep Cherokee Trackhawk with a 707-horsepower engine known as a Hellcat V8. The vehicle has a top speed of 180 miles per hour, good Lord, and can accelerate from zero to 60 in about three seconds. Used models, used models, retail for around $100,000. Carter drove the same model the night of the fatal crash, as well as on a Thursday evening last fall when the Athens police ticketed him for driving 89 in a 45-mile-per-hour zone, a judge finding him $1,013 for the September 22nd speeding ticket. By the way, the video I was going to play for you, it's it's been pulled. Actually, no, it's private. Well, that means it's been pulled. It hasn't been pulled, but it's now nobody can see it because the car dealership doesn't want the blowback, which I understand. I will leave it up to others to speculate on Jalen Carter's draft status now, how NFL teams will look at this. This will obviously be a knock on his character, and character does factor in to draft decisions. I I don't even feel comfortable talking about this. Not because I don't know Jalen Carter's skills or how well he's coveted by the NFL. Again, NFL teams were eyeing him as a top five if not top overall draft pick in the upcoming National Football League draft later this spring I just don't feel comfortable talking about this because does it really matter I mean not to the not to the family of those who lost lives that night it's just not something I, I care to speculate on The question is, are the repercussions strong enough for those who survived the crash, who were complicit in its untimely end? Back after this. Aside from being politically savvy and a commentator of all things public policy and pop culture, I'm also a realtor with eXp Realty. And I don't know if you saw this recently, but Housing and Urban Development, HUD, decided, you know what? First time homebuyers deserve a break on their mortgage insurance premium. It's a way that you, the individual buyer, can save on your mortgage insurance premium. It had been spiked up about 11, 12 years ago after the housing crash to 0.85% the cost of the mortgage. Well, they lowered it to 0.55%. And that can save you, I don't know, anywhere from 60 to 75 maybe $100 a month, depending on the price of the home you're going to purchase. Now, you may not think that that's a big deal, but if you are a renter right now, ask yourself, is your landlord going to cut your rent by 75 to 100 bucks a month? We both know the answer. Stop padding your landlord's bottom line and start padding your own when you buy your first home. Give me a call, 843-283-0078. Or email me, ron at rononthereal.com, Georgia MLS 396-720. your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, Visit TalkAboutVaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. I invite you to show your support for this show. If you own or manage a business that could benefit from partnering with Atlanta's only liberal progressive talk outlet, you can do that and support America One Radio and The Ron Show. We have absurdly affordable advertising packages, and you'll have yours truly working with you to craft your messaging and produce your advertising or pitch your product myself if necessary. Plus, with our social media outreach, we can bring more attention to your support of this show and America One Radio. Find out more by emailing me at theronshowatl at gmail.com or call me direct at 843-283-0078. Follow The Ron Show on Instagram at Ron Show Radio. The Ron Show on America One Radio. I must confess, I don't do enough on our Instagram tab just because... uh, Action shots of recording a podcast or radio show... Mm -hmm. So I usually just grab a mugshot of whoever my guest is going to be and say, hey, they're coming on the show, or hey, they're on the show, or hey, listen to this. <sighs> I'll work on that. If you guys have suggestions on th- – uh, I will. I tell everybody who goes to follow me personally on Instagram, like my personal Instagram account, just prepare yourself for cat pics. If, if that's what you all want, I can – trust me, I got cat pics. Herschel and Dooley can become Instagram famous – On several of my accounts. All right, so we talked a little bit about the Buckhead City movement, the City of Buckhead City movement, and it was dealt a blow yesterday when the Buckhead Coalition uh, sent legislators a letter denouncing the move. It didn't help this morning when they awoke to find that Governor Brian Kemp pierced their balloon with yet another little prick. A little thumbtack. His administration, according to Greg Bluestein's tweet, raised sharp concerns that the Buckhead cityhood effort could violate a range of Georgia laws, uh, delivering a devastating blow to the movement to split Atlanta into two municipalities. Uh, Bluestein goes on to say, by the way, via Twitter, that he's talked to four Republicans in the state Senate who are a firm no on cityhood. He's, uh, he also says, I'm told there are several more. It's not clear whether Senate leaders will bring it to the floor, even if it's doomed. Uh, Jason Esteves, who, by the way, represents a good chunk of Buckhead. How about that? An actual representative representing Buckhead, speaking for Buckhead citizens, who, by the way, is against this measure. Uh, Jason tweets, the Buckhead city bills are coming to the Senate floor tomorrow. Okay, good. I think we'll have a resolution on the Buckhead City movement, perhaps by the time we go to air tomorrow. Let's just get this done. Get it done. I mean, let's find out if it's going to come to a vote, or let's just go ahead and you know smother it with a pillow tomorrow <laughs> in legislative session. It's just a dumb idea. But a dangerous one. As I mentioned before, there are other folks in other parts of the state who are watching this ready to do their own version of this lazy form of white flight. And by the way, I meant to mention this. I was uh, getting text last night from uh, my friend Daryl, who lives in New Orleans, and I had forgotten about this. This actually happened in Baton Rouge as well. There is now a town of St. George, Louisiana, which is just basically the, the southern edge of Baton Rouge, nearest New Orleans. Yeah, St. George, I mean, it's a carved, you want to talk about gerrymandered? It is a carved out looking thing of course, the affluent portions of that part of Baton Rouge. So this isn't unprecedented, but there are other enclaves. I like to use that term because it just sounds regal. Other enclaves of major cities throughout the state that are looking at this, licking their chops and rubbing their hands together like Anthony Anderson in that meme where he's behind the tree watching. Yeah, West Augusta, Georgia. There could be a city called, there's already a North Augusta, South Carolina. Boy, would that not be confusing? You got North Augusta, South Carolina, Augusta, and then West Augusta, Georgia. (laughs) Make it stop. Well, fingers crossed, perhaps the Georgia Senate will make it stop tomorrow. Speaking of intent to disconnect, Appen Media at appenmedia.com is reporting that Johns Creek has decided they don't want to run their own municipal elections after all. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. There was a move from communities like Alpharetta, Roswell, Johns Creek even, to detach themselves from Fulton County Elections Board when it came time for primaries, general elections, well... According to App and Media, uh, the Johns Creek City Council folded on plans to run its own municipal elections this year, throwing the ball back to Fulton County this time around. At a crowded February 28th work session, council members agreed that city-run municipal elections in 2023 would be too costly of a task for city staff, carrying an estimated $1 million price tag, uh, roughly $16 per (laughs) voter. Based on the latest estimates from a Fulton County Commission meeting February 1st, the city would pay $429,232 for fall 2023 municipal elections, or $7.09 per registered voter. If the city were to have directly administered elections, city staff estimated that cost per registered voter would exceed $16. And if the city were to have entered into an agreement with the other North Fulton cities, cost per registered voter would be more than $17.00 which includes a shared cost for wages of the proposed regional elections superintendent. Those of you in and around Metro Atlanta and throughout the rest of the state of Georgia, uh, I'm sure you've noticed the last week or so, the unseasonably mild weather we've had for late February going into March. And we we joke, we joke that this is like fake spring and we'll get another blast of winter, normally once or twice before we settle in, say, mid-April. But... Uh, I would say enjoy this mild weather while you can. And by enjoy, I mean, not just going outside and, and getting some fresh air and exercise and whatnot, but also turning your air conditioning off if possible. I, am I um, like a lot of y'all, I get hot at night. Like I got to turn the air on just a little bit so that it's cool and I'm all crumpled under the covers. And, you know, I got a couple of fat cats laying on me. And so that kind of warms things up a little bit. But I'm telling you, You're going to want to save on your utility bills now because Georgia Power is coming for a 17% price increase come summer. This, according to Georgia Public Broadcasting, Georgia Power bills could go up another 17% in June to cover, get this, the higher cost of natural gas and coal that Georgia Power is burning to generate electricity for its 2.7 million customers. That's right, natural gas and coal. In 2023. Now, bear in mind, that is already going to be on top of rate increases already coming. Uh, According to GPB, rates went up 2.5% last month, bringing a typical residential bill to $131.60 a month after the Public Service Commission approved a three year rate plan in December. Increases of 4.5% will follow in 2024 and 2025. And of course, customers are on the hook for the third and fourth nuclear units. At Plant Vogel near Augusta. Man, I'm telling you, contact your state and federal legislators. Tell them you want to see more tax credits going towards self-reliance when it comes to the energy grid. I mean, I know you feel good about having an electric car, but when it's powered by natural gas and coal anyway, what are you really doing, right? Which reminds me of another fantastic thing about Jimmy Carter, turning a lot of his property around Plains, Georgia, into a solar farm. What a good thing. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at RonShowATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. I know a lot of y'all have a soft spot for some of those uh, Republicans who showed... Hints of a moral compass, a backbone even, in the face of the Donald Trump uh, election meddling scenario of 2020. Gabriel Sterling comes to mind, and uh, Brad Raffensperger as well. I, I mentioned, uh Gabriel Sterling because, oh, so cringeworthy, this poor guy had to sit in one of these Confabs, these gatherings about election integrity in the state of Georgia, and he had to sit next to Marjorie Taylor Greene. (laughs) And here's why I chuckle. Here's why I don't uh, feel bad for Gabriel Sterling. I don't feel bad for actually for any Republican who is, well, I dare I say, a lifelong Republican who has sat idly by and allowed the festering of misinformation to permeate their ideological click. I I just can't. I can't feel sorry for anyone who gets victimized by the monsters that they are complicit in creating. Donald Trump is such a monster. Uh, He was just as ill-informed by talk radio and Fox News as your crazy uncle that shows up on Thanksgiving and Easter who has all these crazy wild conspiracies that they want to tell you about that they learn from watching Tucker Carlson. Donald Trump was just that person. He was saying a lot of the craziest stuff that crazy uncle would say, right? Except he was Donald Trump. He had clout. He had connections. He had access to, if not his own, personal wealth. He had uh, a soapbox. He had a microphone. He had folks' attention just enough to cobble it all together to somehow, still inexplicably, win the highest office on the planet. He reminds me of one of those crazy, out-of-control, deranged, maniacal, bloodthirsty dinosaurs in any one of the Jurassic Park movies that eventually turns on its keeper, right? Right? The same can be said for Marjorie Taylor Greene. And so while there are those who watch the clip that Marjorie shared yesterday of her berating Gabriel Sterling with just another sea, a treasure trove of unfounded, nonsensical conspiracy theories about the outcome of the 2020 election. There are those that kind of chuckle. Oh, look, he's giving her no mind, just drinking his Coca-Cola. Ah, what an Atlanta thing to do. But there are also those who felt sorry that he had to sit there and endure that. I don't, because Gabriel Sterling still runs out there now and peddles misinformation, disinformation, and omission of fact to let a narrative fester about SB202, the most recent Georgia voter law. So I I just can't. I can't feel sorry for him. Nonetheless, have a listen at Marge. Give an old Gabe a piece of her mind at a Georgia election integrity caucus.
1: (laughs) Gabe, I do not consider you an expert on this issue. As a matter of fact, I consider you a major problem. And here's why. My ex-husband showed up to vote in person in the 2020 general election and was told he already voted. And they said, Mr. Green, you have voted absentee ballot. He said, no, I haven't. I never requested one. I never filled one out. I never sent it in. And he had to sign a form, surrendering a ballot he never voted on and never sent in, in order to vote in person. Now, that complaint got largely ignored. No one listened. We reported in the news. We reported it to the Secretary of State's office. Reported it constantly. And no one gave a shit about what happened to him. But guess what? It wasn't just him. There were many, many people that reported the same issue, not just in Floyd County, but all over the state. And I want to tell you something else. For you to say there were no dead voters in Georgia—that is, there was there was thousands of dead voters in Georgia. And actually. then, and then the other thing is, you have constantly shilled up for this election. And I'm going to tell you, it's it, there was blatant, outright fraud in the 2020 election, complete and total fraud. You know it you absolutely do know it i'm going to follow up with one more thing trump won georgia i know you don't like for me to say that but i am convinced that he did i'm born and raised in georgia lived there all my life campaigned all over the state in the 2020 election and to, to come in here for the election integrity caucus and for you to be on the panel it's actually insulting to election integrity because i think you did a horrific job for the state of georgia and I can't believe that our tax dollars have to pay you to run our election system. You were formerly a Georgia uh, state employee, and then you got to be a contractor during the election. Well, I, I think that was, that. I don't, I don't know why that happened and no one else got picked, but somehow we ended up with you. But there were massive problems. In the recount in Floyd County, they recovered over, I think it was over 2,000 votes for Trump in the hand recount. Floyd County is a tiny little county teeny tiny little county to to recover over 2,000 votes for Trump in a hand recount is outrageous. And then we have the whole catastrophe of suitcases coming out from under the table, videos of them re-scanning stacks of ballots. All of this went on, but the Secretary of State's office said, oh, flawless election in the state of Georgia in 2020. And And it's not. I'm sorry, it's not. And I hate to tell you, but there are many Georgians, and I'm one of them that have no faith in our election system in Georgia, and I'm still upset about it. So the fact that I get to come in here for election integrity caucus, thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you, Claudia, but I don't find any election integrity here.
0: Let me start with two of the obvious lies. First of all, Floyd County is not a teeny tiny county. I believe it's like the 26th largest county in the state, which, I mean, it's not massive, but there's 100,000 people that live in Floyd County. That's not teeny tiny. Tolliver County, Greene County, Georgia, those are teeny tiny counties by population. Floyd County, Rome, Georgia is in Floyd County. Rome is not a small city. It has a minor league baseball team, for crying out loud. Rome, Georgia's not tiny, not teeny tiny by any stretch of the imagination. And by the way, the vote she's talking about, there were 2,600 votes that were recovered, Okay. And 1,600 of them were Donald Trump voters. And I want to say it was like 650, somewhere in that area, were for Joe Biden. So we're talking about a net change of about 1,000 votes. And it was just one of those cards from the machine that didn't get counted. And by the way, the man that she's sitting next to berating, Gabriel Sterling, he called for the Floyd County election supervisor to be terminated. Yeah, so old Gabe posted a photo... Uh, a still from the video showing him swigging a Coca Cola. He said, I had a discussion with the Election Integrity Caucus. A big part of that is talking truthfully about the challenges in elections and identifying real issues. Some still deal in disproven conspiracies. Yes, she does. It's a challenge we all face, but having a Coca Cola makes everything better. Oh, nice. Is he trying to get a name image like this deal from Coca Cola? Is he going to he still have eligibility at the college level? No, man, I want to feel bad for him. But, Gabriel, sorry, buddy. Your party and complicit media allies spawned Trump. They spawned Marjorie Taylor Greene, etc., and so on. By enabling and peddling half-truths, outright lies, and distortion for your electoral gain. And now you've lost control of the beast. You and the party have lost control of the dinosaurs inside Jurassic Park. You continue to lie about SB202. In order to minimize its intent to suppress voter participation in the wake of 2020, so you actually continue to feed the beasts like her when her way continues to lose, instead of her and her cultists accepting that horrible candidates like Donald Trump, like Herschel Walker, doom themselves. Sorry, I don't feel sorry for you, dude. My ideological frenemy, one Austin Rhodes, who by the way listens to the show, I want to thank him for the four-star review on app. Four stars. He sits here and raves about the job I'm doing and how necessary this show was and how this is a perfect fit for Atlanta. But he only gave me four stars. I I mean, I get it. He's a Republican. He's a conservative. He can't give a liberal progressive talk show a five star review, right? Although I'm like a top fan on his Facebook page when he doesn't block me. Uh, Anyway, Austin likes to play the whataboutism game a lot. Well, okay, but what about. Yeah. He likes to do that. Today is no exception. Um, Referring to Marjorie Taylor Greene. If conservatives ever have a hard time explaining how Marjorie Taylor Greene can exist in today's GOP, just call her the white Cynthia McKinney. (laughs) Not that this this is just a horrible comparison, but okay. Let me read on. McKinney spewed garbage through six terms in Congress before she was finally primaried, not once, but twice. But again, only after six full terms in the house winning heavily gerrymandered districts in the process did did liberals ever control the redistricting process in the state of Georgia ever wasn't the gerrymandering actually done to uh, whatever man now, anyway he continues according to the mckinney example mtg has four more terms to go you know to be fair that should shut up the critics for a minute well No, not really. Because I have to ask, how many times did Cynthia tail an 18-year-old shooting victim while pronouncing that she was carrying a gun herself? I mean, who's going to stop and talk to somebody spewing that kind of deranged rhetoric? How many times did Cynthia McKinney berate a U.S. president during a State of the Union speech? How many times did Cynthia McKinney go on national television to plead for the rights of the treasonous still in jail after an attempt at insurrection. Yeah. Did Cynthia McKinney ever talk about an insurrectious event beforehand as a 1776 moment? I just don't recall her doing that. But listen, I was a lot younger then, wasn't paying as much attention to politics, and well, I can't go back and talk about Cynthia McKinney because, uh, A, I didn't live in her district to follow her enough. I know one thing about her that stands out that makes me wonder why she was almost immediately a conservative Southern punching bag. She was the first African-American woman to represent the state of Georgia in Congress. Hmm. She was also doggedly curious as to what happened on 9-11, when sheepish Republicans didn't want to investigate that run-up. Remember the presidential daily briefing? Bin Laden determined to, yeah. She opposed the Iraq war, which she was right to. Oh man, if I could go back in time. I was a morning show host and station manager on a pop station in ruby red Rapids Parish, Louisiana, Alexandria, Louisiana. And I do miss a lot of people there. Oh man, I got to go back and visit. Nonetheless, in the run-up to that war, me just being uh, like a a, a passing, uh, you know, somewhat watcher of all things politics and intelligence and all this stuff after 9-11. I knew something smelled. And I had a friend who, by the way, uh, who was former Navy, who was one of those linguistics types. Like he'd sit there with earphones on and listen to like four conversations and deduce what was going on. I mean, you've seen this on Jack Ryan, right? Anyway, he was one of the first ones. He's like, he's like, listen, after nine, no- I mean, this is like almost immediately after 9-11. He goes, listen, they're going to make this about Iraq. There's nothing there, but they're going to make this about Iraq. He knew. And I, of course, didn't say who my source was or why I believe this, but I was a pretty vocal critic to this immediate run-up. And you have to understand, I lived again in Alexandria, Louisiana, not all that far from a military base in Leesville, Louisiana. I had a lot of friends who were in the military. One of my very best friends is a Marine. He is a uh, he's a Marine recruiter now, but he's he's a Marine. I want to say my uncle might have. Still been alive then too. Yeah, in fact, my uncle was alive. He could have been recalled. A lot of friends in the military at that time. Uh, As a matter of fact, my co-host C.J. was in the Louisiana National Guard, and damned if he didn't wind up in Iraq. Thank God he came home in one piece, no physical scars. But he was overseas for a couple years. Yeah, Sentiment Kenny was against the Iraq War. She was against nine. She was curious about the lead up to nine eleven. She was a thorn in Republican side. But <laughs> dude, sorry. She was no Marjorie Damn Taylor Green. I can't find any evidence to the contrary. Did she ruffle feathers? Was she vocal? Which, you know, if you're female, can lead a lot of people to think, oh, mouthy, uppity. Yeah highfalutin, these terms that women, and in particular women of color or people of color, get from their detractors. Uh, You might find some things to quibble with her if you are a hardcore progressive, even a moderate. She liked to buck the establishment a good bit, and she wound up getting primaried, as Austin pointed out, twice, and eventually sort of run out of politics. I believe she's a professor in Bangladesh now or something like that. <laughs> something Marjorie Taylor Greene will never be, a professor. <laughs> of what, CrossFit? Sorry, dude. Thanks for listening. Appreciate the four-star review. and The nice words. But the analogy is not even close to apt. Cynthia McKinney was no Marjorie Taylor Greene. Or Lauren Boebert. For matt gates or jim jordan or paul gosar i mean the list goes on my man more ron show on america one radio after this call or text the ron show anytime at 404-919-2725 the ron show on america one radio uh, a couple other things to go over to jay let's do this uh let's talk schools a little bit uh Remember we talked a few weeks ago about the superintendent candidate for Ben Hill County schools, right? Ben Hill County, named after, I believe, a confederate, was it general? Really, we still have that. We still have towns and counties named, whatever. Uh, Dawn Clements was an interim superintendent of schools in Ben Hill County. Uh, Well, she is now a permanent superintendent. As of Wednesday, uh, after, as the AJC describes it, a topsy-turvy process that drew an outpour of community support for the employee who had been with the district for 22 years. Uh, Clements was like right there. She was going to get the job. Uh, She is not only a graduate of the school system, uh, she was a teacher, coach, administrator, interim superintendent. Uh, She actually, though, opted to resign in January after a pretty nasty anti-gay letter circulated in the community. And while we could sit here and talk about how this is a rural county, mostly conservative, clinging to its name after a Confederate officer, they actually came to uh, Don Clement's back. They rallied behind her. The school board and a lot of residents rejected the letter and clement's resignation they were begging her to come back take this job we're going to give you this job we want you to have this job you are the most qualified you are the right person for the job please come back so a lot of folks took to social media showed up at special board meetings to show support the board then unanimously offered her the job at its meeting last month and then waited for her to say whether or not she would come back it wasn't all that long after that uh, School board chair Shirley Brooks said that Dawn Clements accepted the position and said that Clements' commitment to our community cannot be questioned. I have complete confidence in Dawn and her ability to lead our district. If you don't know where Ben Hill County is, by the way, it's about halfway between Valdosta and Macon. The uh, school, school system has like a total of 3,000 students. Yeah, it's it's rural. But when it's really easy to look for bad news or suppression for the LGBTQ plus it's nice to stop and take a look at the positives i say this all the time it's really easy to demonize someone or a group of someone's from a position when you don't know them we've seen how easy it is for conservative politicians hello tennessee are you listening to demonize Drag queens and drag shows as some tool for grooming, but you can take your little boy to Twin Peaks restaurant, let the girls fawn over your little man. But it's quite a different scenario when you actually know someone. And in the case of the Ben Hill County community, they knew Don Clements, a lesbian, obviously, apparently, but. Was she different somehow, or did they just know her? I used to implore last fall, Stacey Abrams, please go to these rural communities, these rural counties. You've been demonized. Go meet people and let them see. You're, you're just this cool lady, this super nice lady who wants to do things that they haven't really thought of before. You're not the monster they made you out to be. Yes, that's what happens when you actually get out, impress the flesh, and hobnob and rub elbows with people. They get to know you, and they figure out, you're not that bad. Uh, Speaking of education, Georgia's own version of the Don't Say Gay Bill apparently is now tied up in committee, stalling out in the Georgia Senate committee looking at uh, educational proposals. And uh, according to the AJC, the downfall of Senate Bill 88 was that it applied equally to private as well as public schools and private institutions such as church camps. (laughs) The Georgia Baptist Mission Board spokesman, Mike Griffin, uh, testified uh, today and said that the group originally supported the legislation, but kind of had some concerns after lawyers and activists raised concerns that it could have, quote, dramatic unintended consequences for those church camps and private schools. Well, well, well. And I can't help but wonder if the conversation about school vouchers right now, there are proposals to have a $6,000 school voucher program set up in the state of Georgia, pulling money from public school budgets to go towards these vouchers to send kids to charter schools or private schools or parochial schools. I can't help but wonder if there's a correlation there that has them going, whoa, whoa, whoa. By the way, I had a listener point out to me today, earlier, that uh, today's... or. The start of Women's History Month. And she said, so, I like what you were doing on Black History Month each day. What about Women's History Month? Okay, I'm down. I mean, listen, researching this stuff and finding this stuff, it was. Uh, there were some days where there were diamonds and some days there were duds, but we managed to find something just about every day. Sure, why not? Let's do this. Huh, well, here's today's, March 1st today in Women's History. It was on this date in 1987, that Congress passed a resolution designating March as Women's History Month. All right. My work here is done. I promise there'll be more tomorrow and the rest of this month, okay? I mean, I could touch on MARTA coming back and prioritizing, how many projects is it? Nine, down from 17. And it's mostly bus stuff. We got to be careful how you say that. Mostly bus stuff. (laughs) I don't know what the difference is between uh, what do they call this stuff? Bus rapid transit versus arterial rapid transit. Long story short, they're they're both bus related. Hmm. okay. I mean, I read the description there's something on uh, Marta's website, it's marta.com that kind of spells out the different types of transit. And I get the dedicated lane for bus rapid transit. I just don't get what arterial rapid transit is or how that's supposed to be any better. Anyway, that's it for today. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, radio.com And anytime on your podcast platform at 6 p.m. See you.